Welcome to the Core Principles Podcast. Thank you for tuning in, and we hope you'll enjoy this lively discussion of relevant topics, which we attempt to examine through the lens of unchanging objective truth. Here's the host of the Core Principles Podcast, Clay Howerton. Thank you, Suzanne. I'm very pleased today to welcome to the Core Principles Podcast the historian and manager of the Billy Graham Library, Wayne Atchison. How are you, Wayne? Oh, I'm doing good today. Good to be with you, Clay. God is good, and God is blessing our ministry at the Billy Graham Association and through Samaritan's Purse and here at the Billy Graham Library. There's a whole lot of different ways that that organization interacts with people. I'm going to ask you about some of that today. Uh, First, though, how long have you been part of that organization? You know, I came to the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association as the first director of the library 14 years ago. So I came, you know, with the library when it was halfway built. Now that it is completed and you've been doing that for over a decade uh, there, what, what sort of things do visitors experience when they come to the Billy Graham Library? Well, first of all, when they come on the grounds, they so many, many say that they experience the they feel the presence of the Lord Jesus there when they drive onto the grounds. And it's always that that we get from people all the time that they sense a, a great peace when they are on our grounds. And, and of course, on our grounds, we have the boyhood home of Mr. Graham. And many people have, even if they haven't been to the library, they see a big barn. Well, Mr. Graham grew up four miles from the library on a 400-acre dairy farm. So the barn represents his humility and his upbringing. And then we have in there 14 huge galleries with the best technology there is to tell his 65-year story of evangelism around the world. And then we have a wonderful bookstore. And then we have a dairy bar where we serve lunch and uh, a deli-type food all day long. And, And then, of course, Billy and Ruth Graham are buried at the library, along with George Beverly Shea and Cliff Barrows. That's what they experience. And you know, Clay, we've been the number one thing to do and see in Charlotte for the last six years. And we're the 16th largest city in the nation, but the ministry has been tremendous. That's really encouraging. So not counting 2020, because uh, things aren't normal this year, but about how many visitors per year come to the library? Well, we get about 165,000 normally per year. And we've had, uh, Clay, 1.5 million people from 100 countries to tour the library since we opened. So we have people in there every day from across the United States, other countries. You know, the best part is that we're not a museum. We are an ongoing crusade. And I always say that we're a place of prayer, salvation, and revival, because we've had 34,000 decisions for Christ at the end of the tour. In the last gallery, Mr. Graham gives these awesome invitations that he did in all of his crusades. And for about six minutes, he gives his best lines of his invitation. And we have these wonderful volunteers that are there to pray with the people. Many, many come to know Jesus as Lord and Savior, rededicate their lives, recommit their lives to Christ. And we pray for all, everybody has a need. So we're there to pray for people to give them hope and encouragement that they desperately need in their lives. That is the most awesome. And it uh, sounds like uh, you and I think alike because, in fact, my next question was going to be about that one metric that the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association is the the most dedicated to tracking, which is those individual decisions for Christ. And you say 34,000 from the library itself. That is 
absolutely unbelievable great so you had mentioned that the organization there uh is doing a lot of different things and one of those is the samaritan's purse i wanted to ask you a little bit about that because earlier this year franklin took the folks from samaritan's purse to new york city to set up a field hospital just to help the folks in new york city deal with the outbreak and to offload some of the patients that the hospitals couldn't handle I recall seeing reports of some folks in New York who were openly hostile against the Samaritan's Purse people just because the folks who work for Samaritan's Purse believe in the things that God established equally for everybody. How did that feel seeing your compatriots sort of berated for loving God and loving God's people? I tell you what, we're used to that. And so what we do is love those people. We offer to pray for them. And even if they're not for what we uh, represent as a Christian organization, you know, Clay, we took in everybody. It didn't matter who they were, what religion they were. If they didn't even have a religion. Our tent was open to everybody. So we just loved on those people. And, and uh, we're used to the criticism. So normally, so many times, uh, our people are so well-trained and they're such godly people that they're just there to serve. and. And uh, we overcame all that. And it was a tremendous opportunity we had. Uh, in fact, you know, we were, in, we were invited to go up there and put the tent. And uh, we did. It was in a strategic part. And, you know, Franklin had a wonderful Easter morning service from there with Michael W. Smith. And it was just a tremendous thing for us to be able to serve those people in New York City in that way. And we also sent a hospital over to Italy at the same time. It was a tremendous witness during the, uh, the really the start of all the coronavirus and when, yes, when, when the hospital was really needed. And we have the best doctors and nurses and, and just uh, godly volunteers and chaplains, rapid response chaplains that were there praying with these people. And many of them came to Christ. Many of these That's people amazing. were ready to pray to receive Christ. And so thank you for asking about that. It was an amazing opportunity we had. You also, Wayne, are involved or have been involved in your life with other organizations. And, and one of them I wanted to ask you some about is the Fellowship of Christian Athletes. You literally wrote the book on FCA history. Uh, how does that organization, Fellowship of Christian Athletes, impact people's lives? Well, I tell you, I'm so proud of Fellowship of Christian Athletes. Uh, it started in 1954. Actually, Don McCladdon, who was the founder, was actually in college a basketball manager for Hank Iba at what is now Oklahoma State University. I came on the staff with FCA in the summer of 1967. I was the eighth person on this entire national staff. You could put the entire staff at that time in a nine-passenger van. And you know, Clay, today they have over 2,000 staff in the Fellowship of Christian Athletes, and it has reached many countries overseas. It's international now. And we would have never dreamed that FCA would get out of the United States, but today it's a dynamic ministry across the world. And I'd say among the youth ministries in America, it has to be one of the strongest. It deals with athletes and coaches. And of course, you know how popular sports is in our nation. The ministry of FCA today is just reaching boys and girls, men and women for Christ in so many wonderful ways. 
I'm so thrilled about the staff. And, you know, Clay, most of them have to raise their own support. And so God has really blessed them. People see the need. You know, we used to have FCA staff have several states. Now we have FCA staff that have one high school. And how good is that? They're there for Bible study. They're there with uh, the coaches during the week with Bible studies. And, of course, they have their meetings. And then they have Bible studies with young people. Plus, they have about a thousand camps now. I remember when we had four. I can't say enough about the Fellowship of Christian Athletes, how God has raised up this great impact of sports to project the Christian faith. You know, when it first started, Don McLennan said, well, if athletes are used to promote shaving cream and cereal, and well, can't, why can't we use athletes and coaches to promote Jesus Christ and salvation full and free and forever? And I did write the 40-year history of the Fellowship of Christian Athletes, and we did a 50-year coffee table book. And I wrote most of that. So, and I still stay very involved with FCA. Uh, We've had reunions of late at Estes Park, Colorado, and we're going to have one next year at Black Mountain, North Carolina. You also wrote the book about uh, specifically Alabama Crimson Tide, their 50 years uh, Mm -hmm. anniversary. And in that book, you talk about how Early on, the Billy Graham Evangelist Association and the FCA crossed paths in uh, April of 1965. Billy Graham was hosted by the FCA at Alabama and spoke at the stadium. And I was reading uh, your book to prepare for talking with you today, Wayne, and I I want to uh, ask your indulgence to quote a little bit of what you recorded of what Reverend Graham said that night in 1965, because it echoes today. This is a quote from Dr. Graham in April of 1965 at the stadium there in the rain in Alabama. He said, we are facing dilemmas and problems that are baffling our greatest minds. The president said recently, our world is in crisis. We're living in a world of tremendous social revolution. Men are marching for various causes and young people are on the march everywhere. Young people are disturbed about their world. Unquote. And so, Wayne, I guess uh, Solomon was right. There's nothing new under the sun. You remember that night, Wayne? Very well. You know, that fall, we started FCA at Alabama with our All-American quarterback, Steve Sloan, and our All-American center linebacker, Paul Crane. And then that spring, Mr. Graham was going to several towns and cities in Alabama during the civil rights days, and he was preaching, and he was leading up to his two-week crusade in Montgomery, Alabama that fall. And so Coach Paul Bear Bryant knew Mr. Graham and Dr. Rose, the president, so they hosted Billy Graham on our campus, and he stayed at the Paul Bryant Athletic Dormitory. I tell you, it was amazing. We've had some great storms in Tuscaloosa, but that night, The lightning was so fierce and it came a literal flood. And he only preached about uh, seven or eight minutes and he had to stop. That was the end of the service. People had to run to the cars. The lightning was so fierce and he never completed that sermon. But yet it had a mighty impact. We had about 15,000 people there. You know, Clay, in the library, we show some of that when he's preaching up there in the rain. I never dreamed, you know, at 23 that I would be the historian for the great Billy Graham and be the first director of the Billy Graham Library when I was sitting beside him when I had that picture made uh, with him. That was a a wonderful night and and one we'll never forget. It was a, a memory of a lifetime. 
Well, I wanted to ask you if there are other uh, favorite memories you have, uh, Dr. Graham. You were with him for a lot of uh, time. I wanted to say to you that, Clay, I heard him preach 25 times. And when I went to be with FCA in 1967 in July, I knew in September he was going to have a 10-day crusade in that old municipal baseball park, uh, Kansas City A's. And so I got, I knew Gil Strickland, who was the PR man for Billy Graham through FCA, and I got to work the press box, all 10 services. And then I heard Billy Graham preach about 15 other times. So I can tell you every time I ever heard him preach live, I will say this to you, that when I came, uh, he had pretty much turned the reins over to Franklin. I was hired by Franklin. I had been chairman of his crusade in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, seven years before. And then they called me to do an interview about being the first director. I'd been there, Clay, about five weeks, and they came to me in my office and said, Wayne, uh, Mr. Graham wants to meet you. I thought, oh, my goodness, wants to meet me. He wanted to see this guy who was going to be the first director of the library. It was like talking to your grandfather. He, he made you so comfortable and so peaceful. And he began to tell me an Old Testament story that he didn't want the library to honor him, but the Lord Jesus Christ. And I knew, Clay, that uh, Mr. Graham, when he would visit with people he hadn't met, he, he would ask them, are all of your family members saved? And so it gave me an opportunity. I just went ahead and told him about my father as a street preacher, tent revivalist, small town country preacher, radio preacher in Alabama. And this is how I grew up and we're all in ministry. And, and so it gave him an op- me an opportunity to tell him about my family and my wife and my two daughters who are all tremendously Christian people. And uh, that was a great moment. Every time I was around Mr. Graham, I, I just couldn't take my eyes off of him because I thought of all the things this man had done around the world the presidents he knew, 13 presidents, the impact he had in their lives. I thought about these great crusades he had in these different cities and the people he, that just looked up to him and admired him so much. And I thought of, there, he was a simple farm boy, but God raised him up. God set him apart to preach the gospel to more people than any man since the days of Christ. And, you know, I love his humility. That's the thing that I, I'm drawn to him so much. He lived, he, he drove used cars. He lived in a log cabin. He, he, he ate simple food. He loved sardines and crackers. He loved McDonald's hamburgers. He loved hot dogs. You know, we in, in our dairy bar, we have the Billy Frank hot dog because they called him Billy Frank growing up. And so we have a Nathan all beef hot dog. We call it the Billy Frank. But he was just a simple, honest man, pure, prayed without ceasing, always had scriptures around his room hotel room or in his home. He was so kind and loving. He was the same. He never looked upon himself as a celebrity. He would say, I'm just a farm boy from North Carolina. Why all the attention? And Franklin was going to Birmingham to do a a festival in 2014. And he said, Daddy, you remember Birmingham had a great crusade there in 72. He said, oh, yes. Tell those people down there hello for me. They probably won't remember me, though. And that was just the way Billy was, you know. It's amazing, Clay, that he lived to be 99 and from conception, he he lived to be exactly 100. And so God had his hand on this young man from the beginning when he came to Christ at almost 16 in that tent revival downtown with Mordecai Ham. When I give a tour of the library, I tell about 200 stories, facts and figures about Mr. Graham. So it's just the highlight 
the dessert of my life to be the historian for Billy Graham at the library and to tell people how he led all these people to Christ and everything about the Billy Graham Association, you can put it in two words. It's all about saving souls. I want to tell you one other thing uh, during this coronavirus. We've always had a Christian response telephone where people can call 24 hours a day, but we had to rev it up when this coronavirus started. And Clay, uh, we started this in March, and we've had about 180,000 phone calls from people from the United States and other parts of the world who are calling. They're desperate to pray the prayer of salvation for fear they might die. Some of them just can't wait to pray the prayer of salvation and that to make sure that if they were to die, that they're going to heaven. And we've had about 10,000 people to make decisions for Christ during these last few months with our coronavirus hotline, as we call it. And it's been a tremendous ministry. It's something we never dreamed. You've probably seen Franklin's ads on the television. It's just amazing how God has raised up 1,600 volunteers to accept these calls. And it's technology today is where they can receive the calls at their home. And they pray with these people. That's been a tremendous thing of late. And, you know, everything, Franklin is such a great leader. He leads the Samaritan's Purse. He leads Billy Graham Evangelistic Association. And uh, he, he just has a heart for lost souls, just like his daddy did. I do see a lot of Billy Graham in Franklin Graham, and I hope others do too, because the work never stops. That's for sure. And I tell you what, uh, Clay, Mr. Graham had three and a half million people to come to Christ in all those crusades, 419 crusades. And people, I told a man yesterday, I said, since Mr. Graham's last sermon in July of 2006 at Baltimore, Maryland, in the Baltimore Orioles baseball park, the Billy Graham Association has seen some 22 million decisions for Christ. And that's seven times more than Mr. Graham had in his crusades, but it's through technology, internet evangelism, and all these things that we have today to reach more people for Christ. And so that's Isn't that thrilling to know? Because some people thought, well, it'd all be over when he died. But it just has mushroom. It has really been a tremendous blessing to see people come to Christ. And that's what we're all about. That's great news. And we lift up Franklin and the organization as well, because the the mission is the mission. Just like Dr. Graham said, it was never about him. Uh, So the same, same focus is the same focus. I really appreciate that. Well, I want to wrap things up with maybe the most controversial question that I could ask you, because I know you're a big fan of the Alabama Crimson Tide, and you you were part of the FCA from the start there, and you really wrote the book about the, the FCA at Alabama, and you knew some of these coaches and worked with them, or just as a fan, uh, have been watching them. So here's the most controversial question that I could ever ask you, Wayne Atchison. All right. Who was the greatest coach, Paul Bear Bryant or Nick Saban? Well, you know, I, I don't mind answering that question. I will say this. They shouldn't compare the two men because it was dis- different eras. Coach Bryant's been gone 37 years. And just think how football has changed, my goodness, even in the last 15 years. And so I just have always said that uh, you shouldn't compare these two men uh, because Bear Bryant was the greatest in his era and here's Nick Saban. They're saying he's the greatest of all time with all the championships he's had. You know what I told him? I've met Nick Saban a few times, even though I didn't have the, I wasn't there when he came on. I was there for 22 years in football at Alabama. But I told Nick Saban one day, I said, if Coach Bryant was alive, the thing he would 
he would be your greatest fan. And he would be. He would love Coach Saban. And uh, he would love his discipline, his hard work, and uh, the way he goes about his business. Uh, Coach Bryant would have loved him. And uh, Alabama's just been fortunate. I grew up 55 miles from the campus. Nobody in our family went to college, but I got a hold of the Alabama Crimson Tide through a great player named Harry Gilmer when I was a little boy. So that's how, kind of how I feel about it. You know, it's you just can't compare the two. You just got to compare them in different eras. As uh, And Alabama was very fortunate. You know, neither one came from Alabama. Coach Bryant from Arkansas, Coach Saban from West Virginia. But they sure have had great football at Alabama. And I was so proud and honored to be a part of it because my real joy was the FCA. And I was known as much for FCA as I was being sports information director at Alabama. It was our platform. We used the athletes and the coaches and our FCA as our platform to serve Jesus Christ. And that's what we did. Well, that's that's a great answer. And of course, it's not even a cop out. It's just a really great observation about two great men. And uh, yeah. So I appreciate that. Uh, that's some wisdom there. I knew I would get a great answer from you. I, <laughs> I tried to set you up and you you outfoxed me with some real wisdom. So <laughs> I appreciate oh, yeah. that, Wayne. Yeah. Anyway, I thank you so much for joining me on this Core Principles podcast. God bless you. And we're cheering you all on at the great mission that you all are up to there at the library and at the association at large with Samaritan's Purse and all the other ways that Billy Graham Evangelist Association reaches people for the Lord. So thank you, Wayne Atchison. Thank you, Clay. It's been a a real honor and joy to be with you. Thank you for inviting me. Yes, sir. Now it's time for our special historical segment, featuring a practical example of how core principles are applied. On the 8th of September, 1781, New London, Connecticut was under vicious attack. The leader of the attack was previously one of General George Washington's most trusted officers, General Benedict Arnold. General Arnold had been a decorated hero, but he turned against his nation. When he attacked his former compatriots, he was especially cruel. As he led the attack on New London, Connecticut, he had his troops loot and burn as much as possible. It was a low point in the revolution, and even today, treachery sometimes earns traitors the nickname Benedict Arnold. How much more was the treachery of Judas who betrayed the Lord Jesus? Jesus knew Judas was going to betray him. Jesus could have avoided the outcome of Judas's betrayal, but he was seeking and doing his father's will. And we can go all the way back to the Garden of Eden for the primary treachery. When Eve had taken that which God had commanded Adam, you shall not taste of it, there was a moment in which Adam was still in perfect relationship with God, but Eve was not. In that moment, when Adam chose to violate God's command, Adam not only chose sin over righteousness, but he also chose Eve over God. We should always endeavor to be faithful to others and to the foundational principles of this blessed nation, and most especially, to our Creator, God. Core Principles Podcast is produced in Paducah, Kentucky by Real Productions. Music is by Late July. L-E-I-G-H-T July. You can find our music on all streaming services or at latejuly.com. Thank you for joining us today for this episode of the Core Principles Podcast. Please visit core.buzzsprout.com for more information. And please share with your friends. 
We look forward to visiting with you again on our next episode.